My name is Michael Stamp. You may call me Mr. Stamp. I am seated at my kitchen table in my one-bedroom apartment located on the outer edge of Newport, Kentucky, a small city outside Cincinnati, Ohio. On the table in front of me is a pack of Lucky Strikes, a silver Zippo lighter, a glass ashtray found in most two-star restaurants, a revolver holding a single bullet, and this tape recorder with a few extra blank tapes. I am wearing a three-piece gray suit, my work attire. I'm telling you these things because this is where you will find me. Everything is in its place. When you find me, and I am incorrect as to what I've stated, then you are not the first. Today is January the 31st. Two weeks ago, I killed Jonathan Kirk. He died on January the 17th at 10.42 p.m. As of today, his body is buried at Asbury Methodist Church in Highland Heights, Kentucky, under the headstone of Jonathan Brian Kirk, beloved husband of Marie Kirk and father of Caitlin, age 16. He was 35 when I killed him. The reason I'm recording this is not to apologize. This is not an auditorial suicide note. It is also not my last will and testament. This is merely a retelling of events. So you will remember. I was born at Good Samaritan Hospital in Cincinnati, Ohio on September 20th, 1966. It was a Tuesday. That year, Lyndon Johnson was in office. The Sound of Music was the Academy Award winner for Best Picture. Number one hit was You Can't Hurry Love by The Supremes, which, four days later, would be knocked off by Cherish by The Association. Any of this information can be found by surfing the internet, but a little history never hurt anybody. My childhood was plain, nothing too much out of the ordinary. Any other boy growing up during the 70s experienced the same endeavors as most kids do today, school, chores, bullies. I was four when my brother Jake was born. Soon after that, my parents had a divorce. I blamed Jake. At that age, I blamed Jake for everything, as would any older brother would. The sad state of things is Jake was the reason our parents broke up. Our mother worked as a cocktail waitress at the Queen City Club, a private club of alcohol, cigars, and light music nestled in the heart of Cincinnati. She worked there for many years before Marco. Marco owned a fancy cruise line in Mexico City, mainly catered to many of the rich throughout the states. He was in town on a business meeting for a client. One faithful night, him and my mother copulated, and that offspring became my brother, Jake. After our dad found out she was pregnant, he was overjoyed until the day he was born. Before mom was released from the hospital, he had already moved out. The divorce papers followed a few days later. When my brother and I were old enough to take care of ourselves, she split to Kansas. I never did figure out what was in Kansas she wanted so desperately to leave her two boys behind. Whatever it was, I hope she found it. She doesn't stay in touch. I got a job at IGA bagging groceries when I was 15. I made Jake go to school to finish. I paid the bills and he would teach me what he learned in school. When I was 17, Dad came back. 
It was my birthday. He'd come by to drop off a gift and wish me well. He didn't know that Mom left. So he packed us up and moved us across the river into Kentucky. Dad made me quit my job and go back to school to finish. I got my GED when I was 20. The first fight I got into was a year later. I got a job as a salesman at a furniture store at Johnson & Taylor on East 4th Street in downtown. Not a bad gig, a nice bunch of guys. I would walk across the ridge late at night to get home. Dad didn't have a car that ran longer than a few days, so I just thought it'd be easier to walk. Some nights, I wouldn't leave work till well past midnight. One night in particular was strangely chilly for the time of year. Usually a bit of paperwork to follow up after a big day. The store was only a quarter mile from the bridge connecting Ohio and Kentucky. At that time of the night, traffic was light, if at all. I took maybe 30 steps on the bridge toward home before I realized I was being followed from behind. That was quickening his pace. Hey, hey buddy. Hey buddy, I'm talking to you. Now, I'm not stupid. There's only two reasons why a person would call after you at this late in the night. Either they know you, or they want something. I was never keen on carrying around friends, so I suspected he wanted something. What I gave him wasn't what he was expecting. Yeah? You didn't hear me? No, I didn't hear you. I was yelling your name. I didn't hear you. What did you want? Can I get a smoke? I don't smoke. Sound like you smoke. I don't smoke. You like repeating yourself? You like asking stupid questions? Okay, well how about this? How about you give me your wallet? Nice knife. Where'd you buy it? What do you care? The knife he was holding was a Blanchester 47 Swiss. Had a nasty little problem sticking in its handle. This guy had a bit of skill opening and closing it, and he liked to show it off. Okay, come on pal, just hand it over. What are you deaf? What the? What did I tell you? I didn't wait for another opportunity. I connected my right hand with the left side of his jaw. This stunned him, and I shoved him back onto the bridge. The knife fell to his leg. I grabbed it up and landed a few more punches to his face. His jaw was broken in at least two places. It hung loose in his face like a man's glove on a woman's hand. His eyes rolled back into his head, and there was a stretch of red as his pupils disappeared. His body laid limp. I slowly opened his mouth and reached in. With my index and middle finger, I grasped his tongue. His knife and my left hand, I began to saw into his tongue. At first, the muscle cut easily, but as I worked further, the base of the tendons held steadfast. I did what I could with the dull blade, fished my hand around what was left. I pulled it with a rip and tore the muscle. His mouth was filling with blood that slowly trickled out the side and onto the bridge. I stood back to my feet and cast the knife and his tongue over the side. When the weather is cold, my hands crack around the knuckles and nails a shade of white. Now these cracks were colored red. I wiped my hands on my pants and continued to walk home. I reached into my pocket and pulled out a lucky strike in my zippo. I made it home in 20 minutes. I read in the paper a few days later that the police found a man on the Big Mac bridge missing his tongue and his wallet. Kind of ironic. Wish I would have thought to take his wallet.
terrible idea. Creating some of the best audio entertainment to put in your ear holes. At least, we think so.